We all desire that if someone was to do something wrong, then they would receive the right retribution for their crime. And if someone was to harm another, then we would expect the offender would be punished and the victim would be compensated. You know this, you recognize this. We all have this desire when, when a group of terrorists hijacked a plane in September of 2000 and crashed it into the Twin Towers. There is something inside all of us that wanted justice, punishment for the crime. That's justice calling inside of you. Daniel Morcom was only 13 when he was abducted from a Sunshine Coast underpass, driven to a nearby forestry and killed by his 34-year-old attacker. There is something inside of us all that screams out for compensation for Daniel and punishment for the man who committed his murder. That's justice calling out inside of you. What about the drunk driver who runs the red light, killing a mother and her child? He must be punished accordingly. That's justice calling out inside of you. We all recognize the right and good desire for justice. That there should be something done about those who commit injustice, oppression, murder, theft, abuse. But what about the father who cheats on his ex-wife with his secretary and runs off leaving the kids behind? What about the uni student who plagiarizes his assignment, taking credit for someone else's work? What about the office worker who constantly takes an hour-long lunch but only puts half an hour on the timesheet? What about the adolescent who steals that chocolate bar from the shop without paying? What about the girl who secretly hopes that her friend's marriage struggles to make her feel better about herself? What about the man who looks up inappropriate images online? Should they be punished? And if they're to be punished, who should decide what each one should receive? Why, we would, we would need someone who can see and know everything. Not just the outward actions, but the inner actions and the motivations behind the actions. Someone who could make a judgment without bias. Someone who could not be bribed. Someone who would be able to know exactly what happened, even the things others might not have seen. They would need to know all things and they would need to see all things. Not only would they need that, they would need to not be uh, subjective and change based on emotional manipulation. Someone who wouldn't be affected by the cultural tide one way or the other. Someone who could make a judgment about something as right or wrong. And if that is the case, we need someone outside of ourselves. Someone who could make those judgments for us. To summarize, we would need a God. And if this God were to see the actions and motivations of humans as they committed offenses against one another and did nothing about it, what would we think of him? If a God was to witness 
or a human was to witness a crime committed right next to them, an injustice, and not do anything about it or ever bring any punishment, that would not be a good human or a good God. Therefore, if God is good, then He must do something about the offences that are committed in this world. He is required, if He is just, to punish wrongdoing accordingly. But what might be the standard for the wrongdoing and the appropriate punishment? Well, if He is good and just, then all wrongdoing must be punished. Therefore, anything that falls short of His standard of holiness that of perfection, both outward actions and inward motivations. And what might be the punishment for these wrongdoings known as sin? Romans 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death, both physical and spiritual. Spiritually being alienated from God and physically through biological mortality. The punishment for sin is death. And God has an obligation to administer justice. So what if he was to start with you? Would you like to volunteer first to face the judgment, knowing the standard is perfection? according to God's holiness, and the punishment will be death. Because if God is to deal with the evil that goes on in the world, He can't stop until all is eradicated, every last drip of it. From the terrorist to the plagiarizer, to the adulterer, to the dishonest, to the one who wishes ill upon another, It must be dealt with. But there is one way that justice could be administered and we might be spared. If there was one who received that punishment from God on our behalf, he would have to be human to rightly stand in our place and he would have to be perfect without sin so that His sacrifice might be worthy to cover all our sins. For if He is not perfect and He takes our place, that means we take His. And if He is sinful, then we still remain in the same predicament. We would need a sinless human being. One who is able to live up to the perfect standard of God. And who would be willing to take our place and receive the judgment of God. It is Jesus Christ upon the cross. He is human, He is perfect, and He is God. Crucified to save us, to give us eternal life. He died a criminal's death. One the Romans reserved for the worst of the worst. See, crucifixion, it was invented by the Persians, but it was adopted and improved upon by the Romans. The victim would carry the horizontal cross beam to his own torture through public streets to a public place so that others would witness. And civil disobedience or rebellion would be dispelled. 
The arms of the offender then would be stretched along the crossbeam, nailed into the wood. The feet would either together or separately also be nailed to the wood. But the support of the weight of the body could not rest just on those wounds. And so there was a wooden support put in the middle of the cross to help hold the body there. It was just strong enough to keep him there. But the human body would soon become a weight of agony. The person would hang chest sagging. Inhalation would occur passively, but one could only exhale as he would push his body up with his legs and his feet. And for a moment, he could exhale, causing extreme pain in the feet and legs, up and down, breath after breath, struggle, battle, body in aggravating pain, the victim would remain humiliated, naked, dehydrated, in agony, often for days. Crucifixion was designed to produce maximum pain for the longest period of time. And Roman law forbid crucifixion of Roman citizens. It was reserved only for foreign slaves and criminals. It is upon a cross that God the Father dispensed His justice for the sins of the world. Past, present, and future. It was Jesus Christ who received the punishment that we deserve as He hung, fighting to breathe in and out. Until finally after hours... He breathed his last and gave up his spirit. You see, Jesus did not die any death. He died the death of a slave or a criminal in torment on a cross of shame. Billions and billions of human sin over centuries borne by one man over a few hours. It is for this reason that Paul writes in Philippians 2, 8... And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He took our place so that we might be able to receive his. He gets our sin, we get his righteousness. He dies so that we might live eternally. He accepts God's wrath, we obtain forgiveness. It is the greatest exchange the world will ever know. Romans 3.23 says, This was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time, so that He might be just and the justifier of the one 
who has faith in Jesus. Finally, it would be wrong for us to ever devoid God's justice from His love. The most important reason for this sacrifice is the love of God. The reason that the Father would send His Son to earth as a man and that Jesus would willingly lay down His life for us is the love of God. Romans 5.8 But God shows His love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His perfect justice equally matched by His perfect love. A love that is more pure and real than the strongest love that we might have experienced in our life for our children, for our spouse, for our friends. It is the love of God that motivated this exchange on the cross that day. We all want justice until it comes for us. We're all guilty of sin and deserve the punishment of death. Christ has taken our place and died a criminal's death. In return, we get His righteousness, which the Bible calls justification. And God is both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And all of this, motivated by and acted on, Because of the love of God. When I was a boy, my mother used to sing me a song. It was called Upsy Downtown. Maybe some of you have heard it. Maybe some of your parents sang it to you talked about a world where things were opposite to what you would expect. The first verse goes like this. In Upsy Downtown, the sky is in the sea. The rabbits are in the nest where the birds should be. The rain is falling up instead of falling down. Down in Upsy Downtown. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ is similar. It is the upside-down reality where things are not as you expect. For the king is wearing thorns where he should wear a crown. The king is on a cross while we are on the ground. The king is bearing our sin so that we can be heaven-bound. The king is going to the grave, so that life can be found. The king has taken our place. And in heaven, there is no sound. Do you see the king on the cross? That's justice calling out inside of you. Now, Father, I thank you for Jesus, that while he hung on that cross, your wrath was pulled out for all the wrongdoing that the world 
has ever committed. He paid for my sin. He paid for my failures. For the times that I've got things wrong and the sin that I've committed against you and against others. And Lord, you are satisfied with the payment of Jesus' body and blood. I pray you'd help us to remember that and reflect on that, change our hearts to live in light of the gospel this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.